This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. We are delighted um, that we have Jess with us today. Should we give Jess a big round of applause? <laughs> um, Jess um, leads Bristol Vineyard with her husband, and you've got two young children. And how long have you been in the UK now? I think it's pretty much like a year, maybe today. Amazing. <laughs> July we came. And you're about to go back to South Africa? Yeah, we're going for a six-week holiday. Sounds uh-huh. nice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> to winter. <laughs> Escaping the heat. <laughs> Amazing. So um, Jess is going to be speaking on Moses today. So let's just pray for her before we start. Father, thank you so much for Jess, for her time today and for the the time and preparation that she's put into this. Thank you that you love to speak to your people. You are a God who loves to speak to your people, and you do it through people. So come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for everything that Jess has been preparing. We thank you for what we can learn from the life of Moses. We just pray that you would speak to each of us, that we would be stirred that we might respond to what we've heard and learned from his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here. It's so good to be here today. Can you imagine if you had a child and you were told that once the child had weaned, you had to send them off to live in Buckingham Palace? Um, I'm sure you would be quite heartbroken, even though if Kate Middleton was to be their surrogate mom, I'm sure she would be an amazing mom, but um, you would still be heartbroken to part with your, your young child, and I'm sure you would turn that sorrow and anguish into prayer and ask God to use this opportunity to turn the situation around and, um, and to, to um, use your child, raise them up. Uh, in this place of influence to make a difference in the country when they're older. I'm sure this is what Joshabet, Moses' mom, did when he was taken away to live in the palace um, with Pharaoh's daughter. So I'm speaking on Moses today, and I can relate uh, to Moses right now when he at the burning bush said, God, why me? Can't you choose someone more eloquent? But God reassured him that he was with him, and I know that God is with us today, and um, that gives me great faith that he is going to speak to us and do his thing. So I'm just going to pray quickly um, before I really enter in. Um, Father, I just thank you for this special church, for these people that you love so much. We ask you that you would take us on a journey of the heart today, keep us sensitive to your voice. Um, just as you speak to us, Holy Spirit, let us hear what you are doing and what you're wanting to say to us. Stir our hearts and bring revelation of your nature and your goodness. Have your way in this room. We pray that, Holy Spirit, we hunger for that, that you would have your way today. It's not information that sets us free, but it's encountering with you. So, um, yeah. We're leaning into your presence this morning, Jesus. Amen. I felt Father God prompt me to speak on Moses, so I started to read the story of Moses from the beginning, and I realized that Moses' story spans over four very long books of the Bible. (laughs) 
Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. So um, as I made my way through long lists of laws about how to deal with mold in your house and what to do if your neighbor by mistake kills your donkey, to like crazy miracles of Moses Moses striking a rock and water coming out, um, and even Balaam's donkey talking to him when he's trying to curse God's people. But what stood out to me through all the laws and the amazing miracles was actually how Moses turned to God every single time he encountered difficulty. And there were plenty of difficulties. Um, and this is what I want to share with you about um, in the story of Moses is, and to encourage all of us to live with resilience through, uh, by turning to our loving Father when we face life's challenges. Resilience is seen as the ability to overcome adversity, to cope with stress and trauma in a way that allows some people to move forward in a situation where others might feel stuck and quite hectically affected. We see that Moses has the ability to bounce back from challenges um, while the Israelites often seem to get really stuck. It's like they're still in their slave mentality and they resort to grumbling and moaning and blaming other people for their problems. Researcher and professor Brené Brown says that there are four requirements for developing resilience. Cultivating hope, combating societal expectations, refusing to numb negative emotions, and embracing spirituality. And Moses demonstrates these practices by responding to God in adversity. Moses must have grown up with a sense of calling, thanks to his mom's prayers, um, growing up in the palace. And I think it seems that he really had a heart to see justice come through for his people. Um, And he was probably inspired by Joseph, who lived in Egypt in the palace and used his place of influence to bless both Egypt and the, the people of Israel. Um, so Moses, when he saw uh, Israelite, uh, an Egyptian um, being harsh with one of his people, he responded out of his passion and fervor, and he struck the Egyptian down and buried him in the sand. He responded to his calling out of, in his own time and out of his own strength, and it didn't end well. Um, how many of us have a prophetic word over our lives? Um, or just like a desire that we feel God put in our hearts, um, how we carry those prophetic words and desires is so important because God doesn't just give us those desires and words and expect us to walk them out alone. He wants to walk them out with us in intimate relationship. So after realizing that he'd been found out for killing the Egyptian, Moses fled to the desert, as we know, and um, he may have decided at that point to suppress those dreams um, and just to settle for a life of, a simple life of shepherding. But actually, he was right where God wanted him to be. He was in the DSSM, the Desert School of Supernatural Ministries. <laughs> it is here in the desert that God, uh, that Moses learns to hear God's voice for the first time in The preceding scriptures, we never hear God speaking to Moses or Moses speaking to God. But it's here in the desert where Moses isn't distracted by comfort or power, where he is perceptive to noticing the burning bush and receptive to hearing God speaking through it. 
Here God shares his heart with Moses, his love for his people, and his faithfulness to fulfill the promise that he's made to them. Moses, though intimidated by the brief, sees that God really is powerful and that he can carry out his promise. So it's here at the burning bush that God stirs a hope in Moses by sharing his promise for his people. God says to Moses in Exodus 3 verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out to the land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We often think of hope as a feeling of expecting something good, but hope is actually a way of thinking. Moses had caught God's vision for his people, and this gave him a sense of purpose and direction. Moses believed that God would fulfill his promise to his people no matter what uh, would come their way, Um, and God would be able to bring the people through it. Hope in God increases resilience because it reminds you that your situation isn't permanent, but God's goodness is consistent. In Exodus 5 verse 19, we see Moses experiencing his first of many setbacks in leading the people of God out of Egypt. After asking Pharaoh to let God's people go and worship God in the wilderness, Pharaoh um, retaliates by actually lift upping the workload um, and the people get really angry with Moses and they say look the Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us so what does Moses do at this point it's his first setback he's done what God said everything's gone wrong does he just give up throwing the towel and walk away and be like it didn't work No, he turns to God and he says, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people and you have not delivered your people at all. But in Exodus 6 verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I appeared to Moses, Isaac and Jacob. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, and I have remembered my covenant. When we turn to God in times of disappointment, he reminds us of his promises. When, he, uh, when we hold on to his promises, our sh- hope is unshakable. Moses' trust in God grew to the point that later on in Scripture, he is the one reminding God of his promises to his people. When things got tough for the Israelites, they often took their frustration out on Moses. And I'm amazed and inspired by how unshaken he was by their criticism and their disgruntled remarks. uh, In Exodus 14 verse 10, it says, The people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not that we said to you, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, 
fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, and he will work, he, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So bold and brave, standing on God's word when he couldn't actually guarantee what was going to happen next. Just like with Jesus, when the Jews were hoping for a military leader to come and overthrow the Roman Empire, and Jesus instead started a grassroots revolution through loving people, the Israelites were also not so happy with the kind of leader that Moses was. And they probably hoped that he would have overthrown Pharaoh so they could live in Egypt and enjoy the spoils of the land. But God had a different plan for his people. So, um, yeah, so God called out, so Moses called out to God. And what happened next? The people of God walked through the sea on dry land. And the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. So Moses was constantly up against people's expectations of what he should be, what God should do, and what the solution should look like. He, um, he could have started to believe that because he didn't meet up to people's expectations that he wasn't up for the task. But instead of letting the Israelites' complaints define him, he took their complaints to God. The third element of developing resilience is refusing to numb negative emotions. Time and time again, Moses turned to God when things went pear-shaped instead of trying to numb his frustration. In his younger days, he ran away when things went wrong and he fled to the desert. But as time went on, he learned to turn to God and cry out to him. Numbing is a common response when it comes to feelings of disappointment, sadness, fear and shame. Many of us really don't like feeling these emotions, and we're told that they're, neg- they're bad to feel. So we try to take the edge off by drinking alcohol, watching series, binge eating or shopping. And there's nothing wrong with these things when they're used to relax. Relaxation is important, but when, um, they, when we turn to these things to, to dull our... Um, sorry... Um, But if the need to dull one's emotions becomes chronic and compulsive, these methods of numbing can become counterproductive and even addictive. We see Moses works through negative emotions by feeling them and bringing them to God. In Numbers 11 verse 10, Moses heard the people weeping throughout the clans and everyone at the door of his tent. Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant and why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me. Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom like a nurse carries a nursing child to give the land that you promised to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give all these people for they cry out to me, give us meat that we can eat. I am not able to carry these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. Then the Lord says to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take a stand with you. And I will come down and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Moses brought his frustration of of the misery of the people to God and God brought the solution. 
to surround him with leaders who could support him, carry the responsibility with him, and share in his anointing. A healthy way to deal with difficult emotions is to face them, speak them out, and share the load and not carry it alone. The final element of cultivating resilience is embracing spirituality. Moses recognized that God loved his people, and that is what connected him with the people. By walking intimately with God, Moses had love and compassion flowing through his life to the people around him, even when it wasn't reciprocated. In Exodus 33 verse 7, we see an example of how Moses got intentional with prioritizing intimacy with Yahweh. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the, la- from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to, to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the door, and the Lord would speak to Moses. And when the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his own tent door. It's beautiful to see how Moses' intentionality around embracing connection with Father God impacted and inspired the community as a whole. Developing a lifestyle of worship um, if it doesn't just affect us and bless us, but it changes the atmosphere around us. The feeling of connection that Jesus brings makes overcoming tough times a lot easier. Being resilient is less challenging if you feel you're not alone. Knowing that you are loved and backed by a good God gives you courage to lean into discomfort and vulnerability because you know he is with you and he is for you. In Matthew 11 verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What God shows us through the life of Moses is how it is possible to involve him in our everyday lives and how when we do this, we invite him to give us heaven's perspective on our situations. It's his design for us to walk through life um, just as Adam and Eve, with him, just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. Before we turn to anyone or anything else, let's choose to turn to God. I had a moment a few months back when I was crying out to God for a situation, a difficult situation that my daughter was in. And she was upstairs getting ready for school. And it's my mother's heart. <laughs> um, and I was just pacing in my kitchen, praying for her and crying out to God for breakthrough. And she came into the kitchen and said, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> And I just smiled and I kind of gathered myself and I was like, I'm just praying, I'm just praying. <laughs> um, and she went out again and I turned, returned to my sobbing and my stomping and my beating the wall. Um, but what shifted that day by turning to God instead of just trying to fix the situation myself or remove the hardship from my daughter's life was that God gave me his perspective and he instructed me clearly what to do. And we saw a shift that day. So... 
yeah, that's just such an encouragement to me of like choosing. In that moment, I could have just like poured myself a coffee and just been like, I don't know, just distracted myself or gone on Instagram. But because I turned to him, he gave me the solution. And so we, we know that it really does work turning to him. And, and he wants us to advance through our, our hardships and to give us the answer. If there's anything that's sprung to mind while I've been talking to you, a situation that's been frustrating you and that's been making you feel stuck, we would love to pray with you today. And also I want to encourage you to set aside time uh, on your Mount Sinai or your tent of meeting um, or wherever it is you like to meet with God in the kitchen or the car and cry out to him. Cry out to him for those things. Get real, get raw. He is listening and he will answer you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us and that you love to lift our burdens as we come to you. Show us, put your finger on what it is you are wanting us to share with you today, God. Help us step out of old patterns of how we deal with things and let us step into new patterns of sharing everything with you, the highs and the lows. We commit to pursuing you in times of trouble, and we know that you will always be faithful to answer us. Thank you, Jesus.